0: Hello, Spotlight friends. Welcome to another episode of AVE Spotlight. Today, I am with my friend, Tom Corcoran, and we are going to talk all about Rebuilt Faith. His wonderful book, the subtitle is A Handbook for Skeptical Catholics. So if you are listening to this and you're like, that's totally me, well, then I'm glad that you're here. Tom, thank you so much for being with us. I'm so happy that you're here. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Yeah, absolutely. I was sharing with you before we started recording that I've shared this book with a couple of my friends and I'm just really looking forward to chatting with you because I think the topic of skepticism and like a healthy sense of doubt in particular areas of the faith is kind of a topic that not a lot of people want to confront because it's just not fun. I am really excited to hear what kind of drew you to create this book and how you're not afraid to kind of dive into the, the tough things that not a lot of people want to talk about. So first, before we start chatting, I would love for you to share just a little bit about yourself for everyone listening.
1: I've worked in the parish here at Church Nativity outside of Baltimore. We're in Timonium for 26 years now. So i started out doing youth ministry. I've done a whole bunch of other stuff in the meantime and, and moved to different positions. In addition to my work here, I run an organization called Rebuilt Parish, which is about trying to take The principles, the model we've used here that's grown the parish and share that with other parishes. So we have about 30 partner parishes we coach. So do that. And aside from that, I've been married for 25 years to my wife, Mia, and we have eight kids. So the oldest is 22. He's a Marine and the youngest is three and a half.
0: Oh, my gosh. 22 was a fun year. I remember that <laughs> Taylor Swift's 22 came out at that time, which was fun. And then I can't remember three, but I imagine that I was rocking and rolling. So that, what a what a fun time. And God bless your, your son is 22? Yep. Oh, thank you for his service. And three-year-old daughter, you have your work cut out. I have a four-year-old goddaughter and uh, she has a two-year-old sister and they are like full speed all the time. So I'm sure you and your wife are pretty fatigued. Um <laughs> but thank you so much for being with us. And I would love to just firstly ask you, what do you think when people are like, you know what, I just feel like I'm at a place right now where I don't really I don't know. I don't I don't really believe in what I have believed for a while. I have a lot of doubt. I'm wary of certain things in the church, um, whether it's her teachings, or just kind of like maybe the way that perception is like the way that her teachings are being practiced. And, you know, I just, I just don't really feel like the church is a place for me, you know, kind of showing that healthy skepticism. So many times when people kind of voice those things, I think immediately they think that people will think that they're like disaffiliated, and then they just don't even say anything. But I mean, obviously, there's a healthy sense that we should have of like, okay, you know, the church has answers. And so it's good to ask questions. But what do you think when someone might say things like, I just don't really know if God exists anymore, or I just don't really, you know, I've been hurt by something in the church or whatever it is, like, what are your responses to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm personally a skeptic by nature myself. I always kind of appreciate doubting Thomas and his response to the resurrection kind of like prove it to me. I'm I'm kind of along those lines. I think, you know, personally gone through times in college, especially where I doubted my faith. It's been said that people are kind of attracted to God for one of four main reasons. Either that they're attracted to the good, the true, the beautiful, or that God is actually uniting. We talk about that later in the book. But mm-hmm. for me, truth has been always been the, the biggest thing. That's what I've, I've concerned myself with. So I had a question whether it was true or not. So I think to have any kind of skeptical questions or to be skeptical about the church these days, for sure. Yeah, I think that's all part of the process. And I think it's a healthy part of faith at some point to go through that. If the church is true, and at the end of the day, I believe if Jesus is really the son of God, then we have nothing to worry about that. Go through those those doubts, those skeptical questions. Ask those questions. There's nothing to fear there in my, my mind because at the end of the day, come to the fact that I believe in Jesus is the way, the truth and the life. And that's kind of where we start the book is that Mm. you got to start with the person of Jesus Christ. There's all this other stuff going on, but at the end of the day, it's all about Jesus and we got to determine who he is. And then we can, all those other questions are secondary questions.
0: And that was my next question. You are so good at this because my next question was, okay, so you have this skepticism, you have this little bit of doubt and you're like, man, okay, where do I even start? Like, how do I begin to kind of delve deep? There's obviously like so many resources. There's hundreds of old writings that the church has. And I mean, unless you know particular Latin words, it would just be crazy to go and try to find them. Um, But thankfully, your book is like an easy read. It's like for me, it was very digestible, wasn't hard. And I'm not much of an avid reader. And so it was easy for me to kind of pick it up and go with it. And so you said, like, ultimately, it kind of begins and ends with Jesus. So like, how would someone that's in that stage of skepticism, where would you recommend that they start? Acknowledging that like Jesus is the beginning and the end, but like, how do they break that threshold? Like, what would you say to them?
1: And our book is not like a, an apologetic on that, on that, you know, it's a very mm-hmm. kind of a practical spiritual book. And so some part of it, and, and this is in an age where, again, I think a lot of people can be skeptical and intellectually challenge that. And that's a great thing to do. Our book's not about that. It's, I think it's more skeptical than to start trying to live it out. Yeah, right. That's absolutely. what we're really saying. And that, I think for many people in this age, we are an experiential age where people want to experience it and are, are kind of You know, it's a forty-day reflection. So, through the course of the forty days, we hope you are reflecting on, and maybe even trying out through experiences some of the we would say steps of discipleship, ways you can follow Jesus. And you know, you can even start following Jesus before you one hundred percent believe, and just see if it works out. You know, crazy
0: uh, concept.
1: Yeah. So uh, you know, you know, Jesus didn't say believe, follow. He said follow, and then people followed. Then they came to believe. I mean, that Mm. is the the apostles started out they didn't believe jesus was the son of god and, you know the apostles didn't know that jesus was the son of god they had to come to that you know mm. they followed him they spent time with him and then they came to believe so we can enter into a relationship with jesus we can take some of the steps of discipleship we take we we're talking about even if we we don't believe now we try to lay out pretty quickly why we believe mm. but You know, we do that in one day, you know, like one day's reflection. But I know it it takes people a lot more time possibly to come to that. But you can follow and then come to believe.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I love your steps. I believe they were to serve, to engage, to give. And to practice like prayer and then to like actually share your faith. I believe yeah. that was that was them. I might've gotten them out of order.
1: Yeah. You're pretty close. Yeah. And they do form an acronym, which, you know, it just tries to make it easier and you had them all, but Perfect. Uh, serve. And we say tithe and give, engage in a small group or engage in Christian community, practice prayer and sacrament, share your faith. And again, on each of those, those are things that Jesus, we think are going to connect you to Jesus in each and each in a unique way. And I kind of use the analogy of a workout, like or exercise. Like if you go to the gym, you know it's almost like the church. We always kind of say pray, and that's certainly part of the spiritual life. But it's more than just that. Like if if you want to go work out and be in good shape, you just do cardio all the time. That's good, but if you don't ever do strength training or you don't do ever flexibility or you know you don't take care of nutrition, right? You're not going to be in good shape just doing cardio. You got to take care of the full thing. Well, mm. our steps are kind of like a fullness of. And there's certainly not every spiritual practice, but there are fullness of practices that can help you follow Jesus. And so we say they're kind of the core, like serve. Jesus said, for the son of man, meaning himself, did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many, you know, and all the time is the call to serve. And we really believe as you serve, you're going to get to know Jesus better. And you're going to see the blessings that come from that. And many people are drawn to Jesus because that we say tithe and give, which may be the most controversial, especially for Catholics. We don't know, but. Uh, Jesus said the number one competitor that God has for your heart is your money and possessions. And he said Oof. that and <laughs> in an agrarian society, you know, mm. we're living in the most marketed to society in history. So it's true for us. And just where your treasure is, there will your heart also be, whatever you put your money, it goes along with it. So, but with that, we even started about like God is a giver and we all want to be generous people and that's a, an attribute of God. So we want to grow in generosity and then yeah, engage in Christian community that, We need community. And I think after COVID, people kind of know that loneliness is a big problem. Then prayer, but we say practice prayer and sacraments and meaning, you know, prayer, I think a lot of times is like the thing we people think in their minds, like, oh, you just do that when there's nothing left. There's no other Mm -hmm. option.
0: As a last resort.
1: The last resort. And it's not really connected to the rest of my life. And we're saying, no, that really people who are growing in their faith and knowing Jesus, they bring the two together. like bring their life to their prayer. And then eventually share our faith that once we do come to faith, it grows as we share it with others. And that we do, hopefully, again, through some of these steps we're talking about, we come to a place where we understand who Jesus is and we want others to have it. You know, And, and mm-hmm. sharing our faith is not about trying to convince others they're they're wrong and we're right. It's about really, hopefully, once we have a faith and see how good it is to be in a relationship with Christ, we want that for others.
0: Absolutely. And I love how all of the steps really reflect on like who God is. So God is like generous and God is engaged and he's in the mix with people, you know, and God is a prayer, like he is the greatest prayer. And so it's just, it's cool. It's cool to think like when we participate in like philanthropic acts is not that we're just doing them because it's like, oh, this is just such a, this is just such a launch of my own personal, I just kind of love to do it, which it could be, but it also is like, no, you're actually connecting with who God is. That's like so much deeper of an experience. And so you're doing it. Sometimes we don't even know that you're doing it. So I love how that, you know, that's like, oh, it's, it's kind of less work <laughs> than being like, oh, well, go to the chapel and pray for 30 minutes a day, which is like, cool. But some people, they're like, no, I'm not really drawn to that. What I am drawn to do is like, volunteer with this soup kitchen once a month and it's like okay cool that's a good start and you're already doing it
1: exactly and and there are on on these steps i think people are going to be drawn to one or another more mm-hmm. easily so yeah like you said some people have a really great heart of service he's a story in there a good friend of mine dave uh, dave Mangalelli. he's a physician assistant but he's had this heart to serve the poor through his his work and he talked to me one day, and he, he was telling me about what his he was doing, and he he was longing for a career change, wasn't sure. Short story is, his hospital is actually serving people in the community who cannot afford health care. Oh, wow. And part of his job is washing people's feet.
0: Oh, and wow. And he told me about
1: how cool that is. And that's cool. You're like, wow. I'm like, uh oh. <laughs> That's not what that does, but... But Dave was fired up about that and mm. he connected that to Jesus real easy. And I know I got to grow. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, you know, so for <laughs> me, it's like, I got to grow in that one, you know, yeah. but for me, like, you know, small groups fire me up. I love being mm. a group of guys and seeing them go, or even, you know, we talk about giving because when I started really embracing what God talked about finances and money, I saw God come through in my life in an incredible way. And I knew mm. he was real. So that goes back to the skepticism you know, all our skepticism can't really be answered by intellectual arguments. I think there's a place for that for sure. I, I totally believe that. But in some ways I experience God and that's where my skepticism goes away because now mm. I can't explain it any other way. And again, I have stories of, you know, God into my finances. Like There's no other way to explain it other than I I listened to what God said and God blessed me in a sense of, you know, get, helped me get a ton of debt. Mm. God came through in, in ways I never could have Could have, but now I know God as a provider for me in a way I would not know without that step.
0: What a word for just like God working through things, even though God is always in the mix. It's just like when God operates in that way where you're seeing him and you're seeing what he's doing, it's like more significant almost um, to our spiritual growth to kind of see how he showed up in those moments. It reminds me of this quote that I heard that said, like, in all the hard things that you've done. Oftentimes, we don't think of all of the hard things we've already been through and made it. Like all of the challenges that we're experiencing, we don't think about, like, oh, you've already kind of done hard things that you were really stressed about and you already made it. Like God's already shown that he's in the mix. And so it's just like crazy to think about. But I wonder when you put your heart and soul into something like this, what do you want people to take away from it? Obviously, you know, all creative people that I speak to, whether I ask about music or art or books, they're like, Oh, you know, it's kind of, we just hope that people grow in their relationship with the Lord, which if that's your answer, that's great. You know, but like, what are you, like when you're writing this, like, what are your dreams for people that pick this up? Like, do you have a particular kind of person that you wrote this for? And like, just what, what are your hopes?
1: Yeah, I'll do twofold, and I'll answer that. You know, yeah. At the end, yeah. If if I guess it is cliche, but I just want people to know Jesus. Yeah,
0: no, legit.
1: The gospel is the good news. It it is the best news in the history of the world, and it's so good. And it's just for me, it's so sad that people don't know it because it's so good. Mm. And know Jesus is to know the good news. So I, I, you know, I think it starts there, and it breaks my heart that people walk away from Jesus because again, of how good it is. And I think, I think Fulton Sheen said, you know, most people walk away from the Catholic church 90% because of what they think they know that's not even true. And I think that's the thing people, if people knew Jesus, and that's what we hope from this, they're going to know Jesus again, both, you know, in their mind, but more in their heart as a result, of taking these steps. Another thing though, is because I I work in a local parish. I don't want, I want people transformed But I believe you grow in faith in a community and we want to see parishes transform. So Mm -hmm. we wrote this book, we provided a lot of other resources like homily transcripts and small group videos and materials because we hope communities of people are going to read it together Mm. and that the light's going to go on for certain people in the church. Maybe they've been coming for a while and, you know, they go to mass on Sunday, but... Now it's like, oh, I see this whole other world opened up mm. and there's a whole other way to grow kind of, and you've expressed that a little bit too. Like, and it's not just prayer. It is all these other reptiles. And maybe I'm already down the path on some of these things I didn't even know, but I didn't connect the dots between, oh, wow, that's Jesus and that. And that's helping me. I'm coming to know Jesus in a way I didn't even understand. Mm. I think that's the the parish transformation as well. We want to see parishes transform. That's what we do at Rebuilt. That's kind of the heart of really all our books we write eventually. Individual transformation, for sure to know Jesus, but we really believe that the parish church is the is the hope of the world. We need community. We need healthy parishes, and we want to see that happen in parishes.
0: I was just loved what you shared. and I think it's like just thinking about myself as a young adult. I was just talking with another young adult minister for a diocese the other day, and we were talking about, like young adult ministry at parishes and How sometimes it can just be hard to navigate and unless you're like invited into one, it's just like, you, sometimes you don't know where they are or what they're doing. And as, as kind of a young adult and at some of my married friends as as well, like my younger married friends are like, dude, we just don't really know where to plug in. Like, and, and it's like, even though we can do things outside of parishes, the parish is like this hub. It's like this charging hub where I'm like, I want to go there and I want to plug in and I want to like be involved. And I want to be supported by that community. And I want to have other people in a community from there. Not that like, that's the only place it can be, but like, I recognize that that's like a charging hub um, where I can go and kind of like get, I don't know, like my, like a plant with nutrients, you know, where I could just like get my nutrients and then I can like grow somewhere else, whatever. And it's just like, it is so important. So I love what you're saying, just focusing on parishes. And hopefully this being something where people can be like, why don't we get together as like a parish church and make this a reality? Um, Because there's so many people that I know that now that I'm like out of Catholic college and we're all adults now that either like aren't affiliated with the church anymore or are just kind of like, it's just that was something that was important when we were 19. But now we're in our 30s and we like have bigger to fry like I don't know, paying our bills on time, but it's like all of those things just become like, God becomes this very much secondary. And, and a lot of my friends have expressed this because they don't feel like they have a big sense of community or encouragement in that way. Um, and so I do, I do think that that's super important and thank you for sharing that.
1: Oh yeah. that No, and I think, yeah, that longing you have, I think a lot of people do have, and again, maybe the church hasn't helped or hasn't come through, but I think you know, we got to keep trying and encourage people to try. And again, we're trying to help parishes be more effective in creating that environment. Like you're saying that, that place where I grow, but I can also help others grow. That's, that's what the church should be about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I know that the church is trying because there are books like this. There are people that I've met and there are people that I've spoken to that are like just ripping and roaring and ready to go. So there is no time like the present. And I would love to know for you, for every episode, we ask each guest, I would love to just chat with you forever, but I'm sure that your three year old probably misses you um, around this bedtime. But I would love to know what is something that gives you hope? It can either be something in the future that you're looking forward to or something in the past that has given you hope recently. If you need time to go, I can go first. Or if you're ready, you can go. How are you feeling?
1: God, you go first. And I'll give me another second to think about it. Okay.
0: Something that gave me hope. Um, Kind of a little sad, but an encouragement for all of us to pray. I don't know if you heard about that Franciscan couple who got married two weeks ago, a week and a half ago. Mari and Nate Coleman, they got married last Saturday and he passed away in like a big tragedy on their honeymoon, like three days later. And Mm -hmm. I don't know them Um, but I had been seeing all over social media, people share about them, um, and ask for prayers and, um, all that stuff. And so I had just been seeing everybody asking for prayers, like, oh my gosh, as far and wide as like everyone on social media, news sources, other Catholic people I've spoken to, it was just everywhere. And just thinking about how this was like one couple who I don't know who went to a college that I didn't go to, who are much younger than me. But just everyone was praying for, is praying for them. And his wife had posted on her Instagram and uh, it had been a week of them being married, but he had passed away a couple of days before. And she had posted just saying like, thank you everyone for the prayers. And now Nate can, is like going to be praying for her and all that stuff. And, and just reading her post, I was thinking like, wow, you know, what a beautiful community of people regardless of kind of where you're at in your faith or whatever, like what a beautiful community of people that rally together to lift up this woman that it just going through something that I can't even conceptualize. And it was so beautiful to see that like, and to see her post and everyone sharing it and commenting like how much they love her and how they're praying and how, if she needs anything. And I was like, wow, look at this. Like people all the way from all around the country are just lifting this woman up. And I just can't imagine how helpful it probably is um to have all those prayers. So that is something of recent that I've just really been like thinking about the power of community a lot. Yeah, that's cool. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm.
1: I was I was thinking it was kind of I was gonna see if anything else came but a couple of, of ones, Uh you know, I have a small group of guys, and I'm actually the younger side of the group. Um 49 is a just in case you're wondering, you
0: don't look a day over like 35. <laughs> I was going to be like, unless you had your son when you were like 11, then you don't look a day over 35. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm closing it on 50, but you know, all these guys, and, and this is, you know, the the, the sad reality about uh, next generation, not going to church. Mm. All these guys are a little bit older than me and you know, they have kids and they have some, some have grandkids and are like, we're all going around and we're praying for our kids and, and some of their grandkids that don't go to church right now. And, and then about a month ago, I was on a call with from here at the parish of like 35 guys that are on the call about we're trying to get more men into small groups in our parish and then know the power of small groups. And, you know, we when we started small groups at our parish, we had nothing, nobody, mm. you know, 16 years ago when we started small groups, we had nobody in a small group. And now, you know, we have 35, just 35 guys who are on a call saying, how do we share the blessing of community and guys connecting? with other men. So they get involved and we're strategizing for how to do that next for this Lent. And so just that to me, it, it's, it's a great people want to pass on the faith to the next generation. They know they have a relationship with Christ and want others to know that. And that gives me hope that there are people who, who care enough about that. So those are mine.
0: Absolutely. And, and I love that. And thank you for having those men's groups. It's uh, the men that I know that are in men's groups are some of my favorite guys. The men that I know that, do not have a community of men, I'm like, you just need someone to just like, call you to something better. Um, and I think that needs to be another man. <laughs> like Because you seem like you really need that. So I love that you do that. And Tom, I would love to know where can we find more about what you've written and just kind of follow along with um, with the rebuilt um, umbrella?
1: Yeah, so you can go to our website, rebuiltparish.com. So, and there you can learn more at rebuiltparish.com about the book Rebuilt Faith that we have that we just published, as well as about our coaching and working with other parishes and um, ways to connect. We do Wednesday webinars for parishes. So, you can learn more about our model there. That's rebuiltparish.com.
0: Perfect. We will go ahead and put that in our show notes so people can check that out. But thank you so much, Tom, again, for being with us. And I hope that for everyone listening, this conversation blesses you and just uh, provides you with an opportunity to, you know, be Jesus today. And, you know, it's much more accessible than we give ourselves credit for and almost might not take as much work as you think it might. So thank you, Tom, again, and um, we'll talk to you soon. Hey, friends, thank you so much for listening. And thank you to Tom for being our guest. We hope that this episode inspires you to ask questions about your faith and have faith that God knows the answer. So I'm looking forward to talking with y'all soon. In the meantime, please pray for me. I'll be praying for you. God bless.